Welcome to Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. This podcast is about provocative conversations with beautiful thinkers about topics that matter and the stories that have helped them reframe their lives. Grab something cozy or put on your walking shoes and let's reframe. I'm very happy to introduce to you my guest today, Joe Langford. Joe is a therapist and sex educator in Seattle who specializes in working with tweens, teens, and parents. He concentrates in the intersectionality of adolescence, technology, and sexuality. Joe has a business called Be Heroes. In this space, he works to help teach about apps and other tech devices that deal with sexual content that your kids could come across. He created an app called Be Heroes 411 that addresses social, sexual, psychological, and safety situations that young people can encounter online and in their personal lives. He is the go-to person to help parents and teens navigate this changing landscape that can become quite tricky. Joe is also an author of a number of books such as The Pride Guide and Spare the Talk. Joe, it is my pleasure to have you on the show. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so I was really excited to meet you, especially because um, when I heard about the fact that you specialize in what you do with technology and learning about that and offering that for parents, because it is one of the number one questions I get from parents of like, how do I protect my kids? And I often am like, you know what, I'm not the expert in terms of technology. <laughs> like, I hate being able to say like, I don't, you know, you're going to have to ask a technological person. So, so for those who are really concerned about the technological aspect of what kids can find, what is the biggest thing that we need to know as parents? Oh, that is a great question. And there are seven answers to that, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so yeah, I mean, this is my wheelhouse, right? Like I get constant Mm -hmm. like emails and calls and all kinds of stuff. I'm sure there's some happening right now. Um, But one of the big things that is up, um, like the conversation that I find having with parents a lot, there's a couple of big ones, but um, I would say one, uh, you don't have to know the ins and outs of every app that comes down the pike. Like Mm -hmm. that it's okay if you're not like hip to the lingo or whatever, and you don't know, you know, what Snapchat is or what, how TikTok works or whatever. You don't have to know all of that stuff. That landscape is sort of constantly changing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what I tell parents is to kind of focus their conversation mostly on their values, their expectations. What are the rules for your mm-hmm. kid? And mm-hmm. if you get really clear about that, then it doesn't matter if they're on Facebook or if they're on Snapchat or if they're on TikTok, if you've taught them to like investigate your sources and don't follow anyone that you don't know and no pictures in less than a swimsuit, like, you know, whatever (laughs) your rule is, like, then it doesn't matter what platform they're on, right, and so some parents get really overwhelmed, right, Mm -hmm. and, and then kind of default to, like, well, I'm just not going to talk about it at all, because I sound like an idiot, I don't know what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. so. So then how do you, how do you help Mm -hmm. then, because, so it sounds to me like it's not necessarily, like you said, understanding the ins and outs of all the technology, but it's offering those conversations, and about like how to remain safe and then what to look for and so then how do you help parents understand or help gauge 
guide them through the process of like, okay, so you actually do need to talk about porn and <laughs> you need to do, you need to talk about uh, predators that are online. So how do you, how do you do that with them? I just kind of, I sort of gently remind parents um, that, you know, this is what parenting is like now, right? In terms of, mm-hmm. you know, generational cohorts, like our, our generation of parents is having to do things differently than any other generation before. Um, and so our, I think our kids are pretty fortunate with that, but it is, it's helmets, it's sunscreen, it's vegetables, it's digital citizenship. Like that is part of what parenting is now. And you can't, <clears throat> you can't ignore that. Some parents try to, but they, they do that because they're uncomfortable talking about things like porn and sex and whatever. And so I, I, I sort of not so gently remind parents sometimes that, you know, we, we, parents have to have a lot of gross conversations with our kids about stuff that makes us uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Everything from, you know, holding the handrail when you walk down the stairs to wearing a seatbelt, like, you know, we don't like that idea of our kids, you know, tumbling down a flight of stairs or flying through a windshield or getting smooshed by a bus. And mm-hmm. so we talk to them about what both ways before you cross the street and only cross when the light says mm-hmm. to cross. And we, we manage those conversations through that uncomfortability. And so if, mm. you know, thinking of your kid as a sexual creature or who might look at porn and masturbate or something, like if that's the reason you're not having those conversations, as a parent, we have to kind of challenge ourselves and get over it and, and get oh, on with it, right? Those conversations still need to happen. I like how you just reframe that actually, because in terms of we don't like thinking about our kids, you know, potentially getting injured in those ways. So we have those conversations and this is kind of in a way, and I don't know if you would agree, but when we don't have the conversations around porn, um, it can become maybe a slight injury <laughs> to the kids, right? Because, oh yeah, you know, they're, they're learning and taking in things that, you know, the fantasy isn't always the reality. And a lot of them don't know that. And it can be really traumatizing to kids. Right. And I also laughed to myself when you said vegetables. <laughs> oh, my kids can't stand me when I, I constantly I'm like, have you had a vegetable today? Have we had a balanced meal? <laughs> so, I love that you threw that in. Well, and it's the same stuff though, right? Like it's, it's those mm-hmm. parenting muscles and we all have them. It's the same conversations. It's just a different topic. And yes, you know, kids get irritated with us bringing mm-hmm. up vegetables all the time and they will get irritated with you bringing up like who are you following on TikTok what are you watching like let me check your history you know Mm -hmm. they'll get irritated with that as well but that's part of the deal right I know right I always try to tell parents I'm like think about it as you are preparing your child to have the best relationships they can including with themselves and so to do that you have to have these conversations and it might feel strange and hard but you know that's something we're worth doing And the more you do it, the easier it becomes, right? Like, you know, some of us are in positions where we, you know, for for play dates or sleepovers, like we had to talk about, you know, food allergies or whatever. And then, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, like, do you play first person shooter video games? Do you have a gun in the house? Right? Like, we started asking these questions of people. And now it's like, you know, is everyone vaccinated? How, what's your mask policy inside the house during a play date? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. And the, but the more we do that, the easier those conversations become. Mm-hmm. Right? That's great. 
So are there, I know you talked about how we don't necessarily need to know all the apps and different things, but are there any apps that concern you the most in terms of safety for preteens and teens that have kind of the most guidelines or, you know, uh, monitoring, is that right? Monitoring, yeah. Monitoring. Um, (laughs) Sometimes words don't come out. Yeah, I think, I think my, my, my answer to that question might have been a difference a couple of years ago, but I have noticed a trend like more and more since quarantine mm. of uh, Snapchat, mm. like creeping down like the age ladder. So it, it was a high school thing. I think it should be a high school thing. That app, you know, it's, it can be possible for a kid to be on Snapchat and be totally fine and have totally appropriate behavior and not have any problems. But there's so many people on there not doing that, that mm. it is super confusing if, if kids are younger or they're new to social media and, and just more and more in the last year, um, hearing about middle school kids, 12 year olds, 13 year olds, 11 year olds on Snapchat. And, and it's just insane. I really, um, I really think that, that Snapchat particularly is a high school thing. I, like I often say like, 16 is a great age to maybe try Snapchat. If your kid is like old enough and responsible enough to have gotten like their driver's license, they can drive a car then they can probably drive Snapchat safely. But that's kind of what my line is. And then now now, like people are calling it like, well, my 12 year old was on Snapchat and this thing happened. I'm like, why was your 12 year old on Snapchat? Like that is, so I think in terms of for for preteens and middle schoolers and that kind of stuff, like just Snapchat is a conversation now in a way that it really kind of wasn't before quarantine. There was some, but it's it's gotten very popular in middle school right now. And I just think that that is not going to end well. Right. And then, so what is your um, advice? Because you say like, and things happen. And I know that just based on my experience of teaching, multiple things can happen on these platforms where there is predatory behavior and things like that. So if that happens to someone's child, what, what are your suggestions for them? Um, Well, I think, but it kind of depends on what it is. So, Mm -hmm. so the range of problems in the last few months that I've dealt with, with families on there. um, I, there was, there was a client of mine whose girlfriend uh, was followed home from her work through the Snapchat Snapchat app, it's hard to say, uh, because there's a thing on there called Snap Maps where you can kind of shout your location and it and people can just sort of like see what your location is. And somebody, I like literally followed this girl, 15 years old, followed her home from her work. Oh, that's um, terrifying. Yeah, right. Um, everything to like, I sent him pictures and he sent it to the whole soccer team. You know, somebody uh, having a sexual conversation with somebody that was too young for them and was not being honest about their age on the app and is mm. was like investigated and maybe charged, registered as a sex offender. Like there's just so many things that can go wrong on that app. and And when that stuff does happen, you know, I think uh, you know, reaching out to to a, to a therapist right kind of right away and say, "Hey, this thing happened." Um, calling the police if necessary in a situation like that, and then notifying the app and and saying, "Hey, mm. this this thing happened," because Snapchat's age I still I think is thirteen, and I, it just should not be. It should not be. Yeah. It should not be. 
Well, and I think that's the hard thing is, I think the hardest thing maybe as a parent is, is that our landscape is changing socially, right? With relationships for our kids. And this is how they're, they're forming relationships, right? As on these social media experiences. <clears throat> and so I think parents feel pulled of, well, all these kids are doing this and my kid wants to be included or they have fear of missing out. But then recognizing 12 and 13 and 11 year olds are not cognitively, emotionally ready, right? To navigate those platforms. And so I don't know, like I had a, just a conversation with my husband the other day about how it almost feels like we are raising codependent kids because for a long time, right? Like we had this phone in our house and a phone book where we could go and call our friends, look up their names, <laughs> call them, right? Create the play date ourselves. But now it's like, we have to rely solely on parents if they're younger, right? And don't have right. a phone to navigate that. And it's like, I don't know. It's interesting to me because I feel like it's creating a sense of codependency in a way. And it's also then not setting up the kids for success in terms of learning how to communicate because then now they get on these other apps right away without any instruction. So I guess as a therapist and educator, how do you see then social media, social media changing the landscape of our relationships? Well, I think that's a good point that you brought up about like, but even just like the concept of a play date, right? Like mm -hmm. when I was a kid, we didn't have play dates. We just right. went and <laughs> we found your friends and played and, mm -hmm. um, and there's good and bad about that, like obviously, but, um, but now, but then somewhere along the line and I don't know where it, it is, it's was somewhere in between when I was a kid and before I was a parent, but <laughs> this thing of like, oh, we, now we organize and schedule play dates that are often just one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. rather than just go out with the neighbor kids and exactly ride our bikes right? yeah yeah mm -hmm. ride your bikes like mm -hmm. for hours around right and so I think that is one way that so the social media has probably changed the landscape and the communication right so we go from you know parents kind of communicating with other parents and setting up these play dates to sort of passing that torch on to the kids to start organizing it themselves which often happens over social media and and I think that, you know, there's good and bad to that as well. The trick is in how does that handoff of responsibility go, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, my daughter's in middle school. And so now, you know, she does a lot of her own kind of scheduling. And I sort of say, I'm going to need that parent's number and just kind of text the parent and say like, oh, here's the plan, blah, blah, blah. Are you cool with that? what's your mask policy in the house, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. So giving, letting her kind of steer the ship, but then I'm there with her. Right. And I think in terms of social media, that's a, that's a great balance. Mm -hmm. um, some social media platforms are going to be really problematic for 12 year olds and, and some are totally fine and age appropriate. And I really encourage parents, you know, if your kid's on TikTok, be on TikTok. What right. kind of your kid's going to be on Instagram, get yourself an Instagram account too, so that you're in there with them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you see that to be benefit? How do parents respond to that? And do you feel that to be like really beneficial? And do you feel once we're on the app, does it change the way the kids behave on the app or do they find other ways? 
Um, sometimes they find other ways, but then that's a separate issue, right? Like mm -hmm. rather than like, how do you, how do you do social media safely and smartly is a different question than if your kid is sneaky or likes to take risks, right? Mm -hmm. Or doesn't make good choices in general, or, um, you know, doesn't have, has attention issues, right? If, if those things mm -hmm. are true for your kid in their real life, they're probably going to be true for your kid on their screens. And then you just shift that parenting of that particular kid in that direction with their screens. But in general, I really do think it is beneficial. A lot of parents are kind of like intimidated or annoyed. They're like, I don't want to be on Instagram. Like, uh, I don't even know how it works. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a great opportunity for the kids. You know, I say, if you don't know how Instagram works or you don't think you can figure it out, like give it to your kid, like sit down with your kid, go out for some ice cream and say, all right, set me up with an Instagram account. What does this button do? How does this work? What are the rules? Your yeah. kids know, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I mean, the kids right. know. Yeah, and they will tell you. Um, and then you don't have to be involved with every interaction that they have, but they know that you're on the platform, and so they're the the behavior that they're projecting out of others is visible. You know, right? They they're leaving that digital footprint, and and they'll know that you're part of that. I like to think in metaphors. Right? I think I've probably used like five of them already while we've been talking. But, <laughs> and I um, love them. I'm here for them. <laughs> right? Because um, it makes sense to people. But I think yeah. about restaurants, right? Like, you know, we don't wait until our kids are 17 or 19 or 30 before we take them to a restaurant. We take them when they're little and, and they freak out sometimes and spill stuff. And mm -hmm. sometimes we have to get our pasta to go and go home and eat it. But But that's how our kids learn how to behave in restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that the same kind of rules apply. And you can take a kid to a restaurant, you can tell them how to behave. And then, you know, they're making a part, a point when they're, you know, when they want to sit over there across the restaurant with their friends at the kid table and you, the parents can hang out over there and have separate conversations, but you can see them and, and they know that you're there if they need you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's how our kids learn how to behave. And at the movies, you know, in the library, in restaurants like and we need to be just doing the same thing as social media i get so many parents that you know my kid's not going to get a cell phone until they're 30 and i get it but it's not going to help your kid yeah your kid's going to be you know 17 or whatever you know graduate from high school and you get them their first phone and then they're going to be 18 or 19 and they have no idea what they're doing or what's out there yeah and I they're going to be too old to ask you for help i mean i really seriously was one of those parents <laughs> I was like, my kids are not going to get this till when, Again, but I got so it, tempting. but then I got it for my daughter. Right. Cause I, I recognize, well, this is, I want her to be able to uh, navigate relationship and I want her to be able to start initiating these things. So, I mean, I am, I'm having conversations with her and I'm talking about, you know, I don't let her have social media yet. Cause I don't think she, she's should not have social media yet right she's not ready for that and so um but even like with texting and things like that we talk about what's appropriate we talk about how these things last right for a long time but yeah it's I feel like it's tricky and then I also am wondering about when the kids create fake accounts do you come across that in conversations with families oh yeah um and and that can be an issue. Um, I, I do try to remind parents that it's not always like a bad thing. And so I think 
one of the most popular ones and probably what you're talking about are Finsta accounts. Mm -hmm. So, which is short for like fake Instagram accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of an unfortunate name that they call that. And so sometimes it's kids like, this is my real Instagram account that mom and grandma are on with me. And then this is my like other Instagram account where I can do all this like scandalous stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is the case. But most of the time, um, in my experience anyway, when kids have other Instagram accounts, it is because they are actually using some digital citizenship skills. They're, they're curating audiences, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's some Instagrams, like this is my public account where I just like post selfies and talk about that enchilada I had for lunch yesterday or whatever. But then I have this other Finsta account that's just me and my soccer team, right? Or, and this mm-hmm. other Finsta account that's just like me and the cousins, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, or the one, you know, like my son for a while had an Instagram account. He had his regular Instagram account and then he had an Instagram account that was just about pug dogs because he loves pug dogs and thinks they're super cute. So he had this whole pug dog Instagram account that he made. Uh, I did one on a food tour of my favorite chef when I was in London a couple of years ago and I, I had three days in London and I only ate at his restaurants and I just oh, had a funny. whole Instagram account that was just those experiences mm-hmm. but I didn't want to put on my like regular one so I just made this little thin stuff for it and most of the time when kids are doing that that's what they're doing and I think it's actually really smart and healthy to be able to to think big picture about what kind of content you're putting out there and then directing that content to specific audiences and not mm-hmm. thinking everything I post is for everybody who follows right, me because that's not necessarily the case and you know, there are kids out there who were like, like kitty cats in boxes trying to cover stuff up with secret accounts. And that, again, is a different issue, right? That's not, that's not about being on Instagram. That's about being sneaky, mm-hmm. right? And my guess is if they're being sneaky on Instagram, they're also being sneaky about homework. They're also being sneaky about what they're right. doing at the sleepover. They're also being sneaky about chores or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a different, it's the same conversation it would be in those other contexts. But, you know, if your kid is, is the kind of kid who's who's going to be sneaking around and lying it up to stuff then yeah maybe then they're not up for Instagram right now or sleepovers or whatever right yeah (laughs) I feel like that leads into the aspect of then helping them understand maybe a little bit of agency around this and then even within their own selves right finding the sense of autonomy and everything so how how can parents foster that for them or not for them, but like in terms of helping them understand healthy relationships that they can have with tech and with themselves in terms of not divulging everything about your life, not doing like the sneaky things, you know, what are some of the things that you encourage them to do? You'll, I I think, you know, being aware of who your audience is, is a big one. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as a, as a family, you know, talking about what are your values, right? Like in terms of what kinds of things do we share? What kinds of things do we not share? Obviously like the big ones, like your address, your social security number, like, you know, names of your siblings and where they go to school, like that kind of stuff. Like there are predators out there, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that is a conversation to have, but you know, most of the time far and away, like most of the damage that's done to kids on social media is done to themselves and to each other. Mm. And so, you know, when you talk about values, when you talk about what your expectations are and talk about that sense of responsibility, right? Like this is this is your 
you know, you need to have a conversation with me about, you know, you want to have a YouTube channel. Okay. What are you, what content are you going to be putting out there? What are you going to be doing that is going to stand out from other people? What are your lines and limits? What are the, what are five things you're not going to bring up on your channel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, having those sort of kind of meta conversations um, is really important to get kids you know, kind of thinking critically about the content they're consuming and the content that they create as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. So what are the biggest concerns that you, that youth themselves, because um, I know you also talk with youth. So what are the biggest concerns that they have in the area of tech and sex? I think that is a hard question too, but I think that, you know, that, that intersection of like, what, what does flirting mean, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. is really difficult. Uh, I work mostly with boys. And so, you know, I have a, a little bit of a, of a tilted lens with that, but, um, you know, it's, re- it's really hard. Like there's no role models for flirting out in the world. Right. Um, there's no class that they take, you know, there's no like, you know, three weeks of health class you get to learn how to flirt. Like, um, and I, but I think there should be, right? right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, um, you know, consent is becoming a bigger thing in the conversation. It, it still mm-hmm. needs work that is huge. Yeah. And at almost every day, right, I'm getting emails about, you know, issues that a solid, you know, understanding of what consent is would solve a lot of problems, both in real life and through screens. Um, but a lot of it comes down to social skills and flirting, I think, is a big concern for a lot of kids. They they don't know how to do it. They, they kind of take stabs at it through social media, but that's very different than how you flirt in real life. And a lot of them are pretty intimidated. And there's, you know, tons of stories of people who try to do the flirting mm. in real life and it goes horribly wrong because they're fumbly and dorky about it or, um, or they, they cross a line and piss somebody off. And so there's a lot of kids who are like, I think I'm just going to, stick to my screen and not really do yeah I was gonna IRL say, stuff. don't is don't you think that's the major issue is that because we have these screens we are not learning necessarily how to engage in person to co- make those connections um yeah. and I think too like to <clears throat> um to even experiment with rejection right like we're gonna get rejected and nobody likes that but I also feel like sometimes with the screens, we're not, rejection doesn't feel as hard, right? As um, it is in person. Does that make sense? I think in terms of rejection and lots of like social dynamics like that, I think screens can kind of both sort of blunt that trauma of that happening um, and exacerbate it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the absence of like, what does this look like in real life? I think kids kind of think like, well, this is, this is how it works and this is how it feels. And in, you know, with comments on pictures and things like that, like people can be really cruel. Yeah. Um, and how do you balance that out is really difficult, I think, as parents. I think letting kids kind of have their relationships with their friends and, and work things out through screens and challenging them to do things in real life as well. I remember my son once, um, I guess he was probably in sixth grade and seventh grade maybe. And and his friend moved like in town, like they just, they got a new house. And so I said, you know, write text Billy and ask him what his new address is so we can 
send him a, a card and mm-hmm. like, congratulations. And he was like, you want me to text my friend and ask him what his address is? And I was like, yeah. What? That is insane. Why would anyone ever do that? That's crazy. And I was like, why are you freaking out? Like, this is, that's just, that's a thing people that's do. That's like normal. No one on earth has ever done that. That's madness. He was just like totally flabbergasted, right? Oh, um, and so the things that like they get in their head of, mm-hmm. you know, how things work or whatever is is really hard. And when it, they get into middle school and they have to do things like, go to your teacher after class and ask for some help about the question or the thing. And, you know, like it can be really intimidating for them mm-hmm. to do that if they if they are only doing stuff through screens. And it's hard because, you know, we just are kind of getting out of this pandemic situation, right? And so everything's been everything through screens screen. for the last year and a half, almost two years now. And and so especially with kids, and I'm talking to a lot of parents now, you know, like our, our kids' physical development have kept going for the last two years, but all the social and emotional stuff for the most part, like got hit on pause, right? Yeah. And so now we have, you know, 17 year olds out in the world being 17, Mm -hmm. but there's still a very big part of them that is 15 and a half in a 17 year old body, right? We have 12 year olds Mm -hmm. in sixth grade who were like 10 and a half doing sixth grade stuff. And so we have to remember that as parents I think all the kids that they'll, they'll sort it out and everyone will catch up yeah. and get where they need to be but I think I think as a parent and a professional like the next year year and a half is going to be a little bit wonky and I think it will serve us as parents to just remember like our kid is like on the inside they're like a year younger than they are on the outside that is I love that you just said that for me as a parent for number one. but that is like we forget Right. I mean, I think everyone was like traumatized by this pandemic and, and, you know, as parents and everyone and like parents were trying to be superhumans, you know, playing multiple roles, but, you know, kids also were stunted in that they were stunted emotionally and socially. And I think sometimes too, with like things starting to move forward, we're also like quick to want our, our kids to move forward and just start back where they should be quotations around should and so it's a good reminder to be like oh we should offer some grace and (laughs) we should yeah you know and be like be a little more empathetic compassionate you know and that's just remind the kids too because they want to get back as well and they're ready to jump back in the pool but you just have to remind them like that water is going to be deeper than it was the last time you were in that pool yeah and you need to be ready for it right well and what I've noticed too is even them entering back in I've seen a lot of kids who before didn't have social anxiety who now have like pretty extreme social anxiety and who hold back and you can see it all over their body that they're just afraid to be with these I totally agree. And I argue, like, I mean, this generation that we're talking about, right, like Gen Z is, is, is the most anxious generation that has ever existed on the planet, right? Wow. And their mm-hmm. great grandparents, like, hit under desks from the bomb, right, in school, <laughs> like, but Jeez. they, they are all so anxious. Like, it's kind of a joke, but like, everybody under the age of like 20, like, could probably be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. They're so stressed out so what do you feel is the is like is the cause of that 
Well, I mean, it's good and bad, right? Mm -hmm. And some of that comes back to to screens and social mm -hmm. media, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I love Gen Z. I'm so proud of them. Like they are the most aware and woke, yeah, um, and and conscious of what's going on in the world than than anyone any generation's ever been at that age, mm -hmm. right? They they have political ideas and views. They know what's happening. Like they're they're in, they get all the notifications, like they talk about it at school. Um, and I think that is fantastic. I think they're gonna change the world, right? They're gonna save all of us. Yeah, but that's so true. I think that's a lot of stuff to carry as mm -hmm. a kid. I think the world is pretty scary right now in a lot of ways, like everything from you know the political climate to school shooters to the environment, yeah. right? And they're just looking at the world and they're saying like, wow, the earth is like in danger. We could all die. And there's a whole bunch of people out there that do not look or act like they care because they're not going to be around. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and they know that they're going to have to clean it up and deal with it. And I think that's really depressing. I think it's really scary. So it, there's just a lot kind of weighing on their consciousnesses, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I see like an overall lack of hope from them. I've heard kids say like, what is there to be hopeful for? Yeah. That's what I've heard from some. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, I just want to hug them. <laughs> like, I, Me I too. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's mm -hmm. heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I have clients like they say every day, every day, I think like, is this the day that my friends are going to get shot? Is this the day that really? is this the last time I say goodbye to my mom? You know what I mean? It's just, it's so, yeah, it breaks my heart. Oh. Um, but I also find a lot of motivation, right? Kids mm. are pretty angry too. Right? Yeah. And, and they, and they're figuring out what's going on and a little bit about how the world works at really young ages. And so they're not going to be starting at zero when they're mm. late high school or in college, right? They'll have a kind of a, a set philosophy and maybe even some goals and some ideas about what they want to do about these things yeah. by the time they get there. And I do, I really do believe that they're going to They'll be change makers. Change the world. Yeah. yeah, that's great. One of the things I love about being a sexuality health educator is talking with people one-on-one. -on -one. It's in these conversations where we really break down what's been holding us back or things that have been getting in our way with relationships. It's in this time where I help people dispel myths, where we look at our expectations, and we can really focus on education. If this is something you are interested in, then please visit my website at www.reframingourstories.com. How has your job changed the way you parent your own kids? <laughs> um, I don't, I mean, I'm a therapist and I, I've just, I've seen too much. Like I've seen some really scary stuff. And so my kids are pretty okay with it, I think. I thought that, you know, when they were little, little, I thought like they would be a lot more irritated with me than they seem like they are. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I've just heard all these stories. Like my kids have never, well, I mean, now I guess they, my son's a little bit older, but like when they were kids, like never been in like a movie theater bathroom by themselves. I'm like, I'll go with you. Here we go. <laughs> you know? I've just heard too many stories like that kind of stuff um I don't think I I've traumatized you. my kids I'm pretty sure I haven't but I just talk about it you know and and especially mm -hmm. in it's kind of been nice like in moments where they're like why why do I still have to have 
monitoring on my phone and why can't I get Snapchat or whatever? And I'm like, mm-hmm. cause this is what I do. Like I, I coach families. Like I can't say, I can't tell parents to do one thing and then do another thing here. Right. Like, you know, this and talking to them about their behavior, right? Like this is something you absolutely cannot do because not only is it not safe and smart, but then like, I don't want it like, like oh, Joe's kid, he says, don't don't let your kid do this and then his kid's doing that look at that mm-hmm. you know I want I want a sense of integrity in our home and and so you know and I'm at kind of a known quantity with that kind of stuff and so they're like okay fine and they so they get it so that that part's kind of served me um but I think you know I've, I've also I've just been talking to them about this since you know probably before I needed to talk to them about it and so they're just used to it they haven't mm-hmm. known anything different mm-hmm. I think it's harder you know when parents are like oh crap, and now they're 15 and I have to, I have to step up and do this and, mm-hmm. and, and they have never done it before, right? And all of a sudden they're like, why is dad talking to me about porn now? Like, mm-hmm. what? this is totally uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I've been talking to my kids about that since like kindergarten, so. Me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have as well. And my, I often hear from my kids, mom, can you, can you stop making everything a life lesson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I get the same thing um and yeah and like my kids like do they do not want to talk to me about anything sex related at all like they're just like stop talking to me so <laughs> I kind of I think I broke them in terms of that but yeah I, in like, terms of other sex educators I know like it's they all say the same thing oh yeah <laughs> their We're kids just are just like everything stop. or they hate watching movies with me now I'm like did you see how they treated each other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm seeing a sex scene and no condom talk. Did you notice that? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody mentioned anything about a condom. Oh, well, hopefully someday they'll appreciate us. (laughs) Yeah. I literally, my kids like say, you you can pause this movie three times. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Choose wisely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I absolutely. No pausing. No, (laughs) I know, but they're always like, oh, feelings. Okay. We get it. We have (laughs) feelings <laughs> uh, I'll be um, okay nearly yeah. their future therapy though right <laughs> um so what I always ask my guests what story are you reframing for yourself today I think um that is such a hard question I am a big fan of reframing and I'm not sure what I'm reframing like I I have been very busy like, overwhelmed busy like people just calling emailing every day I think I think so many people right now are just really hurting I think you know I think we were all really traumatized over the last year and a half and I think there's going to be repercussions for that for a while to come and um and I and I don't think anybody is really okay there's just a lot of pain out there um and I think one of my reframes with that is like you know, I really see people reaching out um, and and using resources and trying to find resources and and our screens are helping us do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we spent the last you know year and a half or whatever, all of us doing a lot more screen time than we ever did before. And um, and there's you know some consequences to that, I think. But I think our screens also kind of saved us through this process, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of being able to do therapy over Zoom and, um, you know, rent movies on Netflix or order, you know, food from Uber Eats, you know, like 
our technology really helped us. Like, I mean, could you imagine going through the quarantine and the pandemic with in like 1987 or something like that? Like it would have been a nightmare, right? It would have been a nightmare, yeah. Um, But, you know, our kids have actually probably gotten closer to their grandparents in some ways Mm -hmm. um, because it's it's easier than visiting a big handful of times a year. Like they're, they're able to Skype and, and Zoom and text, right? Like my kids text with their grandparents, um, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I never thought of my mother as a texter, but she's like all into it and <laughs> it's great, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I, I think I see people in pain and I see people um, reaching out and, and connecting through screens as well. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It is. So tell us a little bit more about your app that you oh, sure. created, because I think that's a pretty great tool, right? That people yeah. could tap into. Thank you very much. Um, and thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So it is called uh, the Heroes uh, 411. And it is on, right now it's just on the Apple uh, store. Um, and so it is kind of my, so I am, it's inspired by this, this thing I have in my kitchen. It's like this like magnetic flip chart thing on the fridge. And it's like, if there's a grease fire, do these three things. Don't do this, right? If you cut your thumb off while you're chopping carrots, oh. do this, do this, do this. Don't do this. I need one and of so those. It's, <laughs> I know it's really, it's kind of like nifty and handy. And if I cut my thumb off, I'm chopping carrots, I'm probably not going to remember to look at the flip chart thing, but, um, but it's nice to know it's there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the app is kind of the same thing in terms of like, not emergency, like 911, but just if something happens, like something's hit the fan and, and you need to know what happened. And, and so that's like broken down into categories and, um, and, you know, so it's like, oh, well, my friend said they wanted to hurt themselves what do I do, right? Okay. Here's four things to do, a couple things not to do. Here's links to resources. Um, you know, the condom broke while we were having sex. What do I do? Um, mm. You know, someone thinks they're pregnant. Um, I, I, you know, I'm going to school and I have to see the person that sexually assaulted me. What do I do? Um, I'm gay and my parents kicked me out of the house. What do I do? you know, all those kinds of like social situations in terms of, you know, online behavior, um, personal safety out in the world, you know, sex, um, all that kind of stuff is all in there and things are cross-referenced, lots of links to resources, super proud of it. Um, Actually enlisted the help of a a high school kid who wanted to develop apps. Yep. Shout out to Max. Thanks, Max. and so he said he wanted to develop apps. And I said, I have this idea, let's make it happen. And, and so we worked on it uh, kind of through the quarantine. And so- oh, wow. That's so, amazing. Uh, so it's, it's geared towards teens then primarily. Yeah, yeah. Right. I would say anybody, you know, sort of between like 12 and 28, I don't know, <laughs> something yeah. like that would, would be great. It's really fantastic information. Um, I love that. I'm going to go tell my friends. <laughs> yeah. My friend wants to drive drunk. You know, my dad hits oh. me sometimes, like uh, all that so stuff. You, like, like thought of like all these things that kids could. Yeah. We put a lot of work into it and it was really helpful having like an actual kind of adolescent helping me because yeah. you're like, oh, I don't know if people are going to like think of it that way. What about this? And huh. he did all the design of the app, which I think is really streamlined and kind of gorgeous. Wow. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so it's called Be Heroes 411. And if you have a kid who's, you know, now that we're out in the world and starting to open up, I, I think it's a great resource for kids to have that little That's flip wonderful. chart 
things that's in the awesome. fridge just in their pocket all the time. Yeah, that's great. So tell us how people can get a hold of you, you know, to book you to come talk or do different things like that. And sure, because you're a wealth of information. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. I can go on and on about things, can't I? Um, so <laughs> this, my website. <laughs> metaphors galore. <laughs> yes, metaphors galore. Uh, my website is uh, beheroes.net and uh, people can generally reach me through there. Um, I'm on the, the Twitter also at beheroes.net. And um, yeah, like I pride myself on being available and dependable. I like I said, I get a lot of emails and calls, but I really do try to get back to everyone in a fairly timely manner. Mm-hmm. And I love doing talks. I love interviews like this. I love Q&A. Um, there's just so many things going on in the world. And um, and there's not a lot of people talking about this stuff, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that is out there, you know, some of it is pretty scary and fear-mongery. And I think right. kind of freaks parents out a little bit. So yes. I, I like to think of myself as a voice of sort of reason in the mm-hmm. midst of that. Yeah, because I do think there are, right, like so many of us try to respond to things with fear <laughs> or not us, but we've been responded to with fear. And so it's, sometimes it seems like a natural tendency to gravitate to those things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those of us who grew up <clears throat> with all the shame. So I think it's good to be able to approach it in such a different manner because it is, I mean, it's overwhelming, right? And I think parents today have so many things, just so many things to think about and to navigate that yeah. like one more thing is just like, oh my gosh, you know? Well, and it's, it's like, and the way that you kind of deal with overwhelm is to, to figure out how to take a step back when you need to take a step back and how to empower yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. just talking about the overwhelm is not helping anyone who's overwhelmed and might make people overwhelmed who are kind of teetering on the edge, not quite yet overwhelmed. And yeah, I read this article, you know, a couple of weeks ago and it's just like, oh, well, everyone was on screens a whole bunch more during that pandemic. And now all the kids are stressed out and anxious. When you talk to kids, like the screens, like some of them, yeah, an occasion it does freak them out, but that's not social media's fault that people are stressed out right now, right? There's a lot about social media that doesn't really help but there's a lot of other reasons that people mm-hmm. are stressed out and that like causation and, you know, like correlation mix-ups like that just kind of make me insane. Like people did a whole lot more home cooking during the pandemic too. You're not blaming that on the anxiety. Know. Like, you know, you know like, what? Uh, I have to tell you, like there's been times, you know, I teach about how to not be reactionary sometimes, but I will also say, I have to teach myself that because there's moments where I get reactionary too. And lately it's been, it feels like with my kids and screens, I see that they've gotten used to them, right? Because that's what they've been doing. Um, And so sometimes I respond in not the best way. And I've been doing a lot of apologizing, (laughs) lots of apologizing, but I have to say my little nine-year-old is a very in tuned fella. And he was like, mom, you know, you and dad talked about that. You felt lonely and things. And he's like, and this was how, and we felt lonely. And this helped us feel like there's other people out there. Yeah. For a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah, Like watching YouTube. Yeah. They even just like looking at YouTube and just kind of like 
mildly escaping, you know, and I was like, you're right. And I'm like, and I know I've done that too. And I said things like, I just, I'm just encouraging you to find a, a balance with that, right. Of being able to find other things that you can escape into like drawing, <laughs> you know, or right. something that yes. also <laughs> builds up a part of your soul and things like that. So, well, you know, and then, you know, that, that kind of stuff comes into play when you, you know, back to the beginning, when talking about wait, what are your values and expectations? And if mm -hmm. you can make, you know, your screens a connective mm -hmm. thing as often as possible, right? Yeah. You know, like Skyping with a friend feels different to me than just playing right. a video game. Playing mm -hmm. a video game with a friend, even if they live in a different house, but you're playing together, right? right. Like that feels different to me as well. You know, mm -hmm. my son discovered podcasts. He's like a super podcast kid now. And he listens to these like six hour long history podcasts. And oh, wow. it's fantastic. My daughter's doing digital art. So she's doing a yeah. lot of drawing. She's mm -hmm. on her screen doing it, but she's creating gorgeous things in the world you know mm -hmm. it's not all bad right, right? um so there's nothing magic about you know that something falls into the category of social media or involves a screen mm -hmm. that makes it this unhealthy thing right, right. it's mm -hmm. how we hold it it's how much we rely on it it's mm -hmm. how much that takes away from in real life things right right there's a lot of other factors to be concerned before people start to panic right yeah no that's really great well, I appreciate you because you already just kind of <laughs> helped me reframe lots of things today. So I just really appreciate Aww. you. <laughs> I appreciate you too. Um, thank you for having me on. This was yeah. really fun. And I, I love talking about this stuff. So. Awesome. Great. So go find Joe, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's the guy for you. Tell all your friends. Yeah. <laughs>